Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by the Wisconsin Hunter Education Program with the Wisconsin DNR, dnr.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. Jeff Kilm joins me shortly, and today, National Wild Turkey Federation R3 coordinator John Lodaviloff looks at recruiting new hunters to small game hunting. Mike Miller of Remy Battery offers advice for winter battery maintenance, and we'll take a look at the Capital City Muskies, Inc. chapter, Virtual Muskie University, coming to a screen near you in March and April. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Time now for the Madison Outdoors Report. You hear this special feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and it's streamed on demand on Lakelink and wherever you get your podcasts. And joining us once again is Gene Dellinger. He's proprietor of DNS Bait and Tackle on Northport Drive in Madison. His website is dsbait.com, and you can find him on Facebook at DS Bait and Tackle. And be sure to check out his weekly fishing report, which he posts pretty much every Friday. Well, Gene, thanks for joining us again. You bet. Thanks for having us. Well, now, like some businesses, unlike some businesses that had to close, you've been pretty much open throughout the pandemic, and uh, you've been busy, haven't you? Yeah, we actually were closed for about three and a half weeks or so right at the beginning, but then since we reopened, which was probably a couple of weeks prior to the opener in May there, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been a good, it's been, it's been good for our business. Yeah, and I'm hearing that across the outdoor industry, more people are fishing, hunting, getting outside, unfortunately, because some of them are laid off, but um, also because there aren't other things to do where, you know, uh, businesses are closed, but the outdoors is open. Yeah, yeah, no, I was all, all summer. I was hearing boat purchases and RV purchases, and I was starting to wonder just how impulsive are we as people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, now that people have all that stuff, they're out, uh, they're out using their ice fishing gear anyway. How is the fishing in the Madison area? Um, we've been fortunate enough to have you know fair amount of ice coverage for you know a couple three three four weeks now, but. Uh, the fishing itself, I would have to say, has been somewhat marginal as the winter has progressed. It's not that it's been terrible. It's not that you can't go catch some fish, but I would have to say it's, it's not been typical. Uh-huh. Um, there's been there's been some good pike fishing on Medota, but that, that seems to have gotten a lot tougher here lately. Uh, Lake Monona, the Monona Bay Triangle area, which is typically a go-to spot just about every ice fishing season is still kind of a go-to spot, but the fishing has been marginal. There's some nice bluegills in there and even some big ones, but most of the guys are struggling to put together a number of fish on, on most days. Uh-huh. Now, is that partly a function of so many people out on the ice moving around, uh, maybe, you know, scaring the fish? It, it, it may be that. I The, the, the bite... Um, that I've been hearing the same type of situation on a lot of different bodies of water. Mm-hmm. So usually a lot of different bodies of waters don't have, you know, the only thing they have in common generally would be a weather pattern or a moon phase or yeah. or something like that. So I'm assuming that some of it's going to be weather related. Maybe that's going to change here now that we've got a cold front coming through. But uh, I think most of the guys I've been talking to have, for the most part, have been a little disappointed with the fishing this winter thus far, other than a few hot spots like over in Mississippi, a few areas there. Uh, Petenwell, I think, has been okay. Puckaway, I know, has been attracting quite a bit of attention for some bluegills up there. But uh, I think they still have some marginal ice conditions there also. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you hearing about Wabisa? Anything? 
like uh, for the most part, maybe a few decent ones, but smaller ones. The bluegill bite, from what I hear, has been tough. A few pike, a few walleyes, but nothing outstanding. Uh, Mud Lake has had a decent bluegill bite for a week or two, and now it's been a little bit of a struggle. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I I just don't have a lot to brag about, but there is a, a sufficient amount of ice to get out, and you do have the potential to catch some fish. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of uh, my friends was out in Mendota perch fishing the other day, and uh, he said it was slow, but he caught some fish. I don't know how many he ended up with. Um, and he was in 30 feet of water, which is... I don't think that's weed line edge, and it's certainly not the no. deep basin yet. Uh, what, yeah, what's going no, on? It's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I would like to say that that's uh, something that occurs fairly regularly early in the season, but very few people capitalize on it. I don't know. Uh, I hear it every season. I'll hear somebody that catches some fish in that 30 foot of water, but traditionally, most of the guys are going to be out. You know, deeper than that, 50, 60, even 70 foot of water as the as the winter goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And those fish tend to, well, they're sometimes on bottom, but a lot of times they're suspended uh, even yards off bottom, aren't they? Oh, yeah, sometimes. I, in, in good years, I've seen them where they're just four or five feet underneath the ice, even in 70 feet of water. Uh-huh. Are, are they, what are they doing there? Are they feeding on, uh, you they're, know? They're feeding. Yeah. They're feeding. There's a plankton, as old as old plankton, or sure. a, well, I know, a lot of guys just refer to it as water lice, but it's some sort of a, a, a organism that... Yeah suspends in the water column and and it does so in such sufficient numbers that it attracts the the perch bite to it anyway yeah but then those on the bottom are feeding on those little red worms right yeah little red worms blood worms as they call them or or some other stuff that's hatching out of the mud you can usually tell a fish that's been feeding in the mud because they'll get uh they'll be a little bloody under the fins a little bit and under the under the the uh, scales a little bit and it's mm-hmm. they get some parasites or something when they spend a lot of time down in the mud uh-huh um now if people are releasing fish that they catch that deep that can be a problem can it that that's generally a problem i, I would advise against that i mean people do their own thing it's their fish they can do what they want but generally when you're catching fish out of deep water you have done enough damage to that fish that it's not going to survive uh-huh yeah um okay uh, if people, if, if somebody stops in today and says, uh, you know, I want to go out and I want to catch some panfish, uh, what are you going to send them out the door with? Uh, some spikes or wax worms, maybe some plastics. The the bluegill guys have been having some luck with plastics, but uh, it's been an array, really. You know, every day it's something a little bit different because nothing's really hot. Uh, but like I said, it'd be spikes, wax worms. And I, if they like to fish plastics or they know how to fish plastics, they should take some with them. Yeah, okay. Are you uh, are you selling a lot of um, rods and reels, or people mostly have that and they're just buying terminal tackle? Actually, it's a little bit of everything. I probably sold more rod combos this year than I did last winter already, so that's that's kind of interesting, to be honest. So. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, do you see anybody using those little palm rods that the Europeans use? No. You don't have that? I don't. So. Yeah, okay. No. So what, uh, your bait selection uh, good? No, I think the only use for that rod really is in a sight sight fishing situation where you're in a dark tent, you're looking down the hole, and you need to have something that's small so that you can look right down the hole with it. I mean, I I see that as a viable use for a piece of equipment like that, but otherwise uh, I I don't see a use for it. Okay. Uh, Are there any uh, really new items that, uh, that have come on the market this year for ice fishing that people should know about? I don't think 
anything that stands out. Oh, well, there's one uh, that that has taken the market pretty good as far as augers go. Strikemaster came out with a new 24-volt electric auger, and that's been a very hot seller. As a matter of fact, if you want one, wherever you see it, you, you better buy it because they're all sold out everywhere. Yeah, cool. Okay, and you've got bait. You've got all the bait people. Oh, yeah, here. no, we've got plenty of bait here. All right. Yep. And your hours? Uh, 6 to 6, Monday through Saturday, and 6 to 5 on Sunday. All right. Well, Gene, thanks so much for that report, and I hope you stay busy through the ice season, and we'll catch up with you again. Sounds good. Gene Dellinger with the Madison uh, Outdoors Report. You can find him on Facebook, DS Bait and Tackle, and on the web at dsbait.com. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio right after this. Here's our message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Times are tough, but we as a community are tougher. From the Great Depression to World War II to the Great Recession, Remy Battery has seen a fair share of rough times since 1931 when their family-owned business opened. Remy is deemed by the federal government as an essential business, being one of the government's trusted suppliers. That's great news for the government, but even better news for you. Remy will remain open to provide you with any batteries you need, power sports and marine, mobility scooter and hearing aids, or anything in between. Remy is here to help you get through this time and will continue to be here for you when we all get back to going out and doing things we love. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we'll see you in the great outdoors. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit us online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. Well, joining us once again from Wisconsin Rapids is my partner, Jeff Kelmel. Jeff, welcome back from Oklahoma. You've been back a few days now. Um, yeah, have you been fishing? Uh, I have been fishing, yes. Um, I actually, uh, my buddy Todd and I, uh, Todd Forcier, who's uh, uh, my usual partner in crime when it comes to uh, ice fishing, and mm-hmm. we went and explored uh, another new lake, and uh, incredible results. I mean, we were... <laughs> We only made it about 150 yards from the boat launch, and uh, hmm. uh, well, I don't know how many fish we caught. Probably hundreds. I don't, I don't keep uh, track necessarily of how many fish total, but uh, a lot of great fish over eight and a half to nine inches, a couple over nine. Um, some really nice mix of crappies, pumpkin seeds, bluegills. Most of the perch we caught were small, but uh, it was uh, a neat body of water. Um, that uh, we just add to our arsenal. There's there's a particular part of central Wisconsin that you can find uh, multiple bodies of water that just have incredible fish. They're properly managed. They're in the right place in the state that they see enough pressure but not too much pressure and uh, and just have the right ingredients to, to hold some great fish. And it takes a while to find things like that. Like, um, 
these are not places that are like given to me. I, I have a lot of people that uh, will talk to me, and and uh, they assume that just with my networking, that uh, that people just give me spots. Uh, but, sure. But really, it, we work hard on our homework at trying to find these things, and um, and we'll go and explore, and we put a lot of of, of boot work into these, and a lot of time with a camera. And have put a lot of holes in water to to find these spots, and uh, we're we're proud of the work we put into it. Uh, we love being able to do it. We love being able to catch these fish. We take a few home from each one of these little bodies of water uh, for meals and and such. But uh, what's nice about having so many different places to fish is that uh, we can draw from each one of them, and and uh, we're not we're not uh, just depleting a resource. You know, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, what's cool about this one is. We got. We were so close to the launch. Uh, there is hundreds of acres yet to explore, hmm. so yeah. we didn't yeah. even get anywhere. So it was. Yeah. It was really cool. Nice. And of course, you dropped a pin on GPS on your Facebook page, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You <laughs> betcha. Like always. Yeah. We we try to protect the bodies of water as best as we can sure. when it comes to stuff like sure. that. You know, we we don't mind sharing information now and then. I love sharing how we do it, um, yep. and and what we used. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't. I haven't used any live bait at all this year, and you can mm. page through my Facebook page, and you see plenty of really good fish. And it, yeah. and the day we went out was in the middle of a cold front that came in right right at the beginning of this week, where mm-hmm. the temperatures were up in those mid 30s, and then all of a sudden it dropped into the 20s. Uh, yep. It was 22 degrees for most of the day, blowing wind and all that, and uh, we were still catching fish just fine, as if it was a uh, you know the perfect condition. So we work hard to find those bites, but um, uh, but it's a lot of fun when it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, folks, check out Jeff's Facebook page for photos to prove that he's catching those fish and for details on how he does it. Um, but you got to find your own places. That's uh, that's only fair, I guess. Well, speaking of ice fishing, Jeff, I sold another Jiffy E6. Uh, I've got one left. So, folks, if you are looking for a new Jiffy E6 Lightning Ice Auger, this is the electric uh, auger, comes with a battery and a charger. It's an 8-inch bit on it, so uh, it'll drill plenty of holes for any fish here in Wisconsin. If you're looking for one, I have one new in the box. You can look on uh, Facebook Marketplace. Just type in Jiffy E6 or Jiffy Ice Auger and look for it, or you can message me on Facebook at Dan Small Outdoors. And uh, you've sold several. I've sold one. Uh, we got one left. That's right. A great auger. Um and uh, excellent price. <laughs> you can't beat it. Yep, yep. And, folks, the Capital City chapter of Muskies, Inc. holds an annual Muskie University, normally at Wanakee High School. This year it's online. It's virtual. I uh, recorded my seminar a few weeks ago, and there are going to be nine seminars in all. And you can see them all, or at least the listing, on their Facebook page. The complete schedule is there, and you have to pre-register. There is a fee for this, but it's uh, less expensive than if you went to the the uh, university in person, and you can watch right from home, and you'll have a chance for Q&A with presenters at the end of each seminar. The dates are March 20th, 20, and 27th, and April 3rd, and those are all Saturdays, and there are three per day on each of those days, and I'm doing... My musky fly fishing, I think I'm the last one on the last day. I'm April 3rd at 1.10 p.m., and you'll find a link 
to that on my Facebook page if you can't find Capital City Muskies, Inc. Facebook page. And uh, a new uh, Facebook friend of mine, Muskie Fool um, Fly Fishing Company, they're going to offer a discount to folks who sign up for that Muskie seminar. They're working on details of that right now. So I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it and hope a lot of folks attend. And the Fairy Bluff Bald Eagle Watching Days have been going on now for a week or so. That, too, is virtual this year. Details at dnr.wi.gov or at fairybluffeaglecouncil.org, and that's fairy like a fairy boat, F-E-R-R-Y. The next scheduled event is actually today for most listeners, January 23rd, a live raptor show, so check that out. Well, coming up... Uh, National Wild Turkey Federation R3 coordinator John Modaviloff and I will talk about recruiting new hunters specifically to small game rabbit and squirrel hunting. But first we'll have Mike Miller, president of Remy Battery, who's going to offer winter battery maintenance advice. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Attention future hunters, hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham 
are open for business if you need their help. Well, joining us once again is Mike Miller. He's president of Remy Battery in Milwaukee and the UP of Michigan. Uh, that's in Houghton, isn't it, uh, Mike, the other store? We have a location both in Houghton as well as Escanaba. Ah, okay, so two stores in the UP. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us again. Well, I'm very glad to be here, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. Now, winter time is... Uh, a time when if batteries are going to go bad, in my experience, this is this is when it happens. Uh, what advice have you got for batteries that are sitting idle? So uh, like a, uh, I don't know, a lawn tractor that I'm not using or a car that I only drive in the summer. What's your advice for maintaining those batteries in good condition? Yeah, absolutely. Dan. You know, seasonal equipment, that's always a challenge. You put it away and uh, you want to do that maintenance at the end of the season to that seasonal equipment. And batteries is no, uh, batteries are no different. You want to make sure that the battery, when the equipment gets put away, that that battery is at a full state of charge before it gets put away. But uh, more importantly, what you want to do is check that state of charge throughout the winter season and uh, give it a maintenance charge on a regular basis. We typically recommend about once a month to once every other month because a battery that's, that's in storage naturally discharges, and that's a natural process that happens, natural chemical reaction that happens within the battery. And it, at room temperature, it naturally discharges at the at roughly about one percent per day. So, after a month, your battery is going to be roughly about thirty percent discharge. If it sits for three months, it's going to be completely discharged. Mm -hmm. And when that battery sits in a completely discharged state, you can significantly shorten the life of the battery. So, like I said, we recommend uh, giving you uh, any any batteries on any of your seasonal equipment, a, a maintenance charge at least once a month. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, how about active equipment, like snowmobile, uh, ATV, uh, you know? Well, active equipment, Dan, that's pretty easy. You know, I mean, if you're using it on a regular basis, the, the vehicle's got to keep that uh, battery up to a full state of charge. But, uh, you know, obviously before you take that, equipment out if it's seasonal equipment like what you were saying like a snowmobile uh you're going to probably want to at least get that battery tested before you go out and hit the trails uh, the last thing you want to do is uh go out there have fun on your snowmobile and be stuck out in, uh, in the woods someplace without it starting yeah yeah i'd hate to be halfway between houghton and escanaba for instance <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it, it it can be a challenge, you know, or or you you make a stop and uh, and you can't start someplace. Yeah. It's uh, it, it becomes a little bit of a challenge. Now, what about um, these quick charge um, or quick start packs? You sell those as well, don't you? Yeah, booster packs. Booster you know, packs, we sell yeah. a full line of jumper cables and booster packs. Everything for booster cables from small uh, equipment all the way up to very large equipment. And we also custom build uh, battery uh, battery cables, so we can custom build jumper cables. And we have a lot of tow trucks and and uh, service vehicles come in and have us uh, build custom build custom jumper cables for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the industry is really people have really moved towards the starter packs, mm -hmm. uh, like a little jump start pack. Uh, and uh, there's several different kinds out there. 
Uh, there's a traditional jumper pack that's been around for about 20, 20 to 30 years now, which basically has a couple of uh, cables coming off of it and, uh, you know, some circuitry inside and a lead-acid battery. And mm-hmm. those packs usually, you know, you can find them with lights on them or inverters or even the air compressors on them. Um, but they're, they're a little bit heavier than, than, mo- than what's been coming out lately. Lately, uh, there's been a, a lot of uh, lithium battery starter packs coming out. These okay. are smaller packs and typically handheld packs, and they're usually pretty light. Uh, one thing we do caution people about with the with the lithium starter packs is that most lithium cells, uh, when the temperature drops below 40 degrees, uh, don't operate uh, very efficiently. Uh-huh. So we, we typically recommend uh, if you need to use a lithium pack that uh, you keep it at uh, a temperature that's above 40 degrees. So uh-huh. storing something like that in the trunk of your car in the middle of winter uh, isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Okay. But they, are con- they are convenient and they are uh, very lightweight and they are very easy to use. Yeah, so keep it in the house, take it out when you go. In, in the garage or in, yep, in yep. the basement or, yeah, yep. heated garage, sure. Okay. Well, enough about winter. <laughs> um, you mentioned in uh, in the email exchange you and I had that this is a good time to, get, to start thinking about spring and get boats ready for spring. What should I be doing now to my boat uh, to get it ready for spring? Well, like I mentioned earlier, you're going to want to check that state of charge on the battery and give it a maintenance charge. But with the seasonal equipment, some of the best way to keep your battery fresh and ready to go when you're ready to go, Dan, is to have a, a fully automatic battery charger or a battery maintainer on it. Uh-huh. Uh, we sell a full line of battery maintainers, everything from small equipment to large equipment. Uh, we also sell them whether they're bench mount or if they uh, if they can be mounted on a vehicle as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so we we are running a, a little bit of a sale now. Supplies are limited. We've got a, a little bit of a closeout going on a two bank uh, charger, perfect for a boat. Uh, for two batteries on a boat, and uh, we're going to be featuring that on our website at remybattery.com. Okay. Um, best way to, like I said, seasonal equipment uh, leading up into spring, take care of that boat and prep because when that water, uh, when that water uh, turns from ice to water, it'd be great to get out there and, and drop it in. You want to be ready to go. All right. Well, Mike, thanks so much for talking with us again and. We'll send folks to your website, uh, folks, that's R-E-M-Y, RemyBattery.com, for information on that sale on the dual bank onboard charger for boats and all the other uh, batteries and accessories that they sell. Mike, thanks so much. Dan, you have a great time, and stay warm out there on the ice. (laughs) We will. Mike Miller, president of Remy Battery in Milwaukee and Houghton and Escanaba, Michigan, and this is brought to you by... Hupe and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best. Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupy.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business if you need their help. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. 
Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. Dan Small here, and we're brought to you by the Wisconsin DNR Hunter Education and R3 programs. You can learn more at dnr.wi.gov and at gowild.wi.gov. And joining us now is a friend of mine, John Motoviloff. He's an outdoor writer, a cookbook author, and currently the National Wild Turkey Federation R3 coordinator for Wisconsin. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, you bet, Dan. Happy to be here. Always good to talk with you. Well, you and I have had some fun uh, outdoors uh, recently, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, I'm throwing around some... some uh, abbreviations here, R3, for folks who have no clue what that is, tell us what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in the simplest sense, it's the uh, recruitment, retention, and reactivation of hunters and shooting sports enthusiasts. Uh, and there's also an argument to be made that there's a companion uh, R3 for, for angling as well. So it's basically pe- getting in new people, um, keeping those old people who, who've done it habitually and then the people who have lapsed kind of making it easier for them to get back in or giving them a reason to get back in. So those are the three big R's that, uh, that we like to call R3 just because it's an awfully big mouthful to say, to yeah. repeat all those multi-syllable words. Yeah. yeah. And you are a former DNR employee and you do work with DNR in some capacities now in your current position. Talk about how uh, you partner with DNR and the Wild Turkey Federation. Yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting kind of partnership, and there are a number of other folks uh, that work for NWTF uh, and a few other conservation organizations who have these partnerships with uh, with various DNRs. And so basically, um, what I do is I try to take this program that the DNR calls Hunt for Food and sort of blow it up and put it up on steroids. And so initially, there were it was out in just a few places in Wisconsin, and so what I'm trying to do is sort of export this franchise so it's out across the state um, in more than just Madison. So we've got a cell right now in Viroqua Westby, another one up toward Amory. Uh, And then I have a colleague who works for Pheasants Forever, and he's taking it into the Horicon area and southeast Wisconsin, um, and we've got some interest in in the north, too. Of course, COVID has put a little bit of uh, the brakes on it. But um, it's trying to sort of capitalize on this phenomenon of adult onset hunters and kind of giving them the tools to go out and do what they need to harvest their own food, their own game, and to show them how to track it, how to shoot, how to cook, um, kind of a soup to nuts kind of thing and different from learn to hunt in the sense that the folks that come into it don't come from hunting families typically. So we have to start from zero and often with like replica firearms handling, the tab K rules, uh, very basic stuff. And then, you know, what is scouting? What is gear? What do you bring on a hunt? So it's all of these things. Uh, and that's really the, the lion's share of my work uh, with DNR. And also kind of when COVID things were prior to COVID also worked on a mentor training program uh, and then still do a bunch of communication work for them, so kind of writing and uh, and, and outreach and that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, it's a it's a unique partnership. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting one, and I've been involved uh, with you in a, a couple of events, too. Now, because of COVID, you've gone virtual with some of your activities, haven't you? Yeah, we have. In fact, Dan, we last uh, Tuesday, we did a virtual small game hunting class. We had about 20 folks join in. Um, and essentially, we sort of cooked down the content that we typically do in a, in a class, uh, and we kind of did a brief version, and then we're going to send them home with some resources, sort of like a uh, cheat sheet for hunting rabbits, cheat sheet for hunting squirrels, regulations, and of course they can kind of follow up with uh, with the instructors. But it was a it was a neat, diverse group. We had uh, myself, the Pheasants Forever R three guy, um, Peggy Farrell from Becoming an Outdoors Woman, um, fellow from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and then another. Um, individual from color in the outdoors which is um uh organization for outreach for bringing the outdoors to people who normally maybe not don't get as big of a share so it was it was a great group very lively discussion and i'll tell you we struggled <laughs> we got the content in in two hours but it was it was busy hmm. wow are you doing another one you got another one planned yeah we have i i don't have a date for it but we're going to be hitting ice fishing and then we're going to be moving on to turkey hunting after that but uh maybe you and i can connect on that front and uh and uh and and, and check because we we definitely plan to give something uh some kind of instruction for folks because um, there sure is a lot of interest out there and uh it's just very difficult to do it to, to, to do it safely and in person now yeah and yeah we'll definitely talk about it ahead of time to let people know as soon as you have some dates well i mentioned that you and i work together now um i uh worked with you and a videographer um uh i've worked with before from madison um and we were working with um, uh, some new hunters, or relatively new hunters, doing a, a small game hunt. It was uh, it ended up basically being a rabbit hunt, uh, and and a video that uh, I guess the Wild Turkey Federation is going to use uh, to help promote uh, this very thing, small game hunting, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're going to our upcoming our convention is coming up here, and this is going to be kind of a centerpiece for our convention and talking about our, our three efforts and our presence in the in the Midwest here. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, Dan, it's the beginning of of yeah. I mean, small yeah, just small game hunting in general is such a great way for new folks to get into it because you know, uh, well, so, so many reasons. But uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, maybe. Well, no, you're not actually. Um, you know what? I've enjoyed hunting rabbits primarily uh, all my life. Did a lot of squirrel hunting as a kid with my dad, and occasionally still do. But uh, why is it such a kick for you? Yeah, you know what's? I mean. Boy, how much time do you have? Right? <laughs> Not um, that much. <laughs> Not that much, right? Well, well, we'll give you the elevator summary. So uh, for me, it's a lot of fun that you can do for a long part of the year with liberal bag limits and relatively little competition and, you know, kind of uh, a very good reward uh, on the table afterwards. So all of those things combined uh, and, you know, minimal gear, minimal planning. So it's just kind of like, you know, fun from early to mid fall all the way in, into winter. Um, squirrel season, of course, wrapping up here um, at the end of 
January, yep. and then rabbit wrapping up at the end of February. And you know, depending on where you are, they start in either uh, September or October. But no matter how you slice and dice it, that's that's a lot of hunting time. Um, and you know, I think most people now, I think it's fallen off. If you look at license sales, it's fallen off in popularity, and it's a shame because it's just, it's just gall darn fun. It's just fun to be out there. You tend not to run into other people. You get a fair number of opportunities. Um, and it, you know, something like rabbit hunting can be very social, you know, kind of done in a drive. Uh, and it's, you know, um, the other thing is for, for new folks, you know, you don't, it's not like, you know, waterfowl hunting or maybe even turkey hunting or, or possibly deer hunting. I mean, you, all you really need is a shotgun and a license and some shells and you're, you're in business. Um, squirrel and rabbit habitat is, is all over the state. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just not a lot to it other than, you know, either you sit and wait for your game or you, or you, you know, kind of drive and pursue the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really simple to teach folks how to small game hunt um, and clean. And every, it's, it's, a little, it's a little canvas, but it's a lot of fun, you know. Yep, absolutely. And um, what, do you, what do you say to, you and I both know guys uh, and gals, uh, but mostly guys who are in their maybe 30s, 40s, 50s even, who used to hunt rabbits and squirrels, as you and I have, um, as, as youngsters, but then they moved away from home, the, the beagle died, so you don't have a rabbit dog anymore, they became deer and turkey hunters, um, you know, what's, their, what's the incentive for them to get back into small game? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of incentives. I mean, I think that the one incentive is that, that I would just kind of remind them that, that just, even though they're, you know, connotations that you know small game hunting maybe is for kids or for novices it's it's for everybody and it's widely available um and so really the 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 first thing i could think of is they're just missing out on on a whole lot of fun Mm -hmm. and a whole lot of success um and i guess the other thing is you don't i mean you can do it with a beagle you can do it with a group of folks but you can just as easily go out there on your own spur of the moment uh it, you know, break up the winter blues. I mean, you know, you're looking at outside, it's cloudy in, in Wisconsin, you know, the ice isn't great on all the places, but you can sure chase rabbits and sure, sure chase squirrels. So it's a good kind of filler uh, activity, and, and and it's simple. So I, I would say they're, they're missing out, and it would also fit into that piece that I like to call um, – you know, retention, um, or reactivation where people are in the, in the, in the funnel. Um, but they kind of need something to keep them going or to restart them. And I would, I would encourage those folks to pick up the old 22, pick up the old, you know, double barrel single gauge and, and head to the, uh, head to the rabbit or the, or the squirrel woods. And, uh, you know, gosh, if they haven't done it for a while, they're probably even eligible for the, um, the first-time buyer's license, which yeah. you get after after ten years, so okay. there's a lot. There's a lot that they're they're, they're they stand to get by by going out. Not to mention, you know, rabbit gumbo and squirrel pot pie and all that good stuff. Let me hold you there for uh, just a minute, uh, John. We still got more to talk about, but I got to take a break here. So yeah. uh, hold on, and we'll be back Will with do. more folks. I'm talking with John Motoviloff. We'll be back after this. Here's our message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Times are tough, but we as a community are tougher. From the Great Depression to World War II to the Great Recession, Remy Battery has seen a fair share of rough times since 1931 when their family-owned business opened. Remy is deemed by the federal government as an essential business, being one of the government's trusted suppliers. That's great news for the government, but even better news for you. 
Remy will remain open to provide you with any batteries you need, power sports and marine, mobility scooter and hearing aids, or anything in between. Remy is here to help you get through this time and will continue to be here for you when we all get back to going out and doing things we love. Stay safe, wash your hands, and we'll see you in the great outdoors. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit us online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. We were talking with John Motoviloff. He's the R3 coordinator for the, the Wild Turkey Federation for Wisconsin, also an outdoor writer, a cookbook author, and he has been talking about uh, small game hunting, and uh, we had to take a break there. But, John, we're back, and uh, we were talking about licenses. So uh, you mentioned the uh, first-time buyer license or the uh, the license break that you get if you haven't bought one in a while. Tell us about that. Yeah, you bet. So that's, that reduces the license to $5, and that would definitely be in, like, the, you know, kind of the uh, reactivation category. So instead of you know, giving you an incentive to, to, to get back in, and, and, and the incentive is in the form of a reduced uh, reduced license. And you, of course, get that these days. You can go to a license outfit like uh, Fleet Farm or whatever, uh, but you could just as easily go to Go Wild and buy it online and in fact it's that's easier gives you more spontaneity and you know if you want a social distance it, it allows you to do that too but that's probably how i would encourage folks just because because it's just a lot easier and uh, one click and you know you're you're pretty well through it um but yeah yeah and then of course on the other end if people are starting out um when you take your hunter safety you get that free small game license with the uh you know with the license and so it's a uh either way when you're just starting out or if you've been out of the game for a while it it, it uh you, you have an you're you're sort of incentivized to to buy a license you know in the one case they give it to you the other case that's discounted yeah now um you mentioned hunter safety or hunter education if someone uh and most of our well a lot of our listeners i'm sure were born after january 1st 1973 that's uh, quite a large group now um, they have to have hunter education certification before they hunt on their own if they're not affiliated with a learn-to-hunt or a mentored program. How can they get that now? Yeah, exactly. Well, they can. It, it's changed where now 
anyone who's under, who's over the age of 18 uh, can just go and do the hunter uh, education certification completely online. If you were to just kind of plug that in a Google search, it'll take you to the, to the correct address. But um, again, I think that that's, even though it's very valuable to get extended gun gun handling, um, and then when things ramp back up, possibly to get an internet field day, it is possible right now to get yourself certified uh, fully online if you're 18 and over. And again, I think safe gun handling uh, happens when a person handles a gun over and over with a good mentor um, and careful attention to, to muzzle direction and stuff. So I think that this can be done very, very easily. Very, and, uh, and then again, just, you just, you just sort of practice makes perfect with that. But yeah, if you're, if you're, um, over 18, but born, bef- but born, uh, before January 1st, 1973 can get your, get your hunter at, uh, cert online. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> Yeah, we, you mentioned uh, a couple of types of firearms uh, earlier um, for folks who have no clue what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Let's say I'm going rabbit hunting. What what should I buy if I'm going to buy a gun? Absolutely. Well, if you're like me, you probably want a shotgun because I don't know, unless the rabbit is sitting still, it's going to be a heck of a difficult shot yes. to hit him with a twenty two. Yeah. And then the other advantage is that, uh, you know, if you're doing it during pheasant season and you've got a pheasant license, why well, you could take a crack at a pheasant or a grouse or whatever else. So it really, to me, I like to do my small game hunting with a shotgun just because it opens up other possibilities, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, waterfowl or doves, if you're using non-toxic or turkey or pheasant or grouse, uh, all of which you can only pursue with, uh, with a shotgun. Now there are some folks who like their squirrel hunting with a uh, with a 22, and that's fine. There you're looking for you know sitting shots and probably a scope, so you can kind of zero in on that on that head portion. Or maybe you walk very quietly along a brush line and you watch for that sort of big eye of the of the cottontail or or snowshoe hair and work on them that way. And you know of course the advantage there is you know there's less waste to the meat, less damage. Uh, but, you know, you've got to be awfully quiet and awfully sneaky to be getting those yeah. shots, especially on rabbits. So it's <laughs> it's kind of a trade-off, you know, I suppose. there are There's that one gun out there that's a double-barreled uh, 410 and 22 and um, generally not a scoped gun, but I suppose you could you – could, for your still shots, you could you could hit the 22 lever, and for your running shots, you could hit the 410 lever. So that that's another uh, good that's sort of a, a marriage of both, if, if you will, you know. Yeah, you know, I I uh, the the gun I'm thinking of, I believe Savage made it. I don't know yeah. if they still do. Um, yeah. I almost bought one. Oh man, 50 years ago, they still make that gun, um, and it's uh, as you say, it's it's both a rifle and a shotgun, a single shot in each case. Uh, but you have two options. If a rabbit is sitting, choose the 22. If you get a squirrel opportunity and he's sitting, you got the 22. And if uh, either of those critters takes off, well, you've got the shotgun. Uh, yeah. and, and with shotgun, now, what shot size do you like for rabbits? Yeah, great question. I think I think if I had to pick one shot size, since it's, as I said, I, I often will do this kind of mixed bag. Yeah. So I would say if I'm going to pick one shot size, it's going to be probably six. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, kind of gets to the hair, the hot, tough hide of the squirrel. 
got enough punch to get through the rabbit, and then let's say you know a pheasant gets up close, you, you could you could work on a pheasant with with it uh, you know within close range with the six shot, yeah. and um, you know certainly you'd handle a grouse. And if you had a very close shot at a turkey, you'd probably be okay if you if you got a headshot. So you got a, a variety of options. And if folks really kind of want to get uh, jazzy with it, you know, they could go to a non-toxic variety. And if you think you might run into some waterfowl or some doves on public land, and still I would say there maybe you'd want to drop down to, to four shot. Uh-huh. Uh, but six is because you'd be you'd be the non-toxic. But six is a good all-around, um, you know, small game load to use. Uh, that's that's generally what I use. Yep. Um, yep. I, I agree with you there. Well, you talked about um, eating the small game, and you've got a, at least one cookbook out, Wild Rice Goose, uh, and I have a copy of it. I don't have it in hand right here, but uh, you've got some rabbit and squirrel recipes in there, don't you? I sure do. I sure do. And um, if I can, I'm going to kind of give two directions to go here, one sure. sort of on the bone and one off the bone. So some people get put off by chewing on the legs of those little critters. And I, I mean, it I doesn't bother me, but some people, they, they kind of read, it seems too much like a mammal or something when, when it's when it's on the bone. So what I recommend for them is essentially take your favorite chicken pot pie recipe, you know, gather, get, get in a harvest enough rabbits and squirrels, simmer them down real slow and low, get them off the bone, and then just uh, just make a chicken pot pie, but use squirrel or rabbit. And the only difference is it's better. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's just better, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the other one that I made last time that I shot a rabbit, which was I think about a week ago, was I made like a rabbit creole. So kind of dredged it in flour, crisped it, kind of get got that holy trinity they call of uh, onions, bell peppers, uh, garlic, and celery. Uh, got that all sautéed up. Then put in a white wine tomato sauce, replaced the rabbit, simmered it, and served it over white rice. And, uh, you know, real good uh, New Orleans dish. You can, you can tone up the heat a little bit with some Tabasco, uh, but there's a good tang to it with the tomatoes and peppers and, and the white wine. And uh, just a very nice dish. And the tomato also breaks down the rabbit and makes it very, very tender. So those are just, I mean... Yep. Just a tip of the yep. iceberg, but two favorites of mine. Okay, and if folks want to find your book, where where can they yeah. get it? Yeah, so it's, it's a book published by University of Wisconsin Press uh, back about, oh, maybe about 10 years ago. And I think probably the easiest thing is if they just type in Wild Rice Goose uh, and they go to uh, Amazon, that's going to be their quickest route to, to buying it. I think they're going to be able to get to it quite quick. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good range. Basically, that was designed for folks who hunt and fish and forage in these sort of northern tier states of, of uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and um, Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, kind of all critters that you'd find here in, in the woods and waters and uh, how to deal with them, and a few mushrooms and berries as well. So it's, it's designed for this area. Okay. And before we let you go, we got, oh boy, just about a minute left. Our, our, our outing a couple of weeks ago... Um, uh, one of our guests, Susie Limberg, um, said, you know, you've got to add a fourth R to R3 uh, and make it uh, uh, recruitment, retention, reactivation, and romance because she actually met her future husband at a Learn to Hunt class. He was her turkey mentor, right? 
It's a great story, yeah. And the two of them are going to be married this this August. And yeah, they they had he mentored her, and I guess they stayed in touch and whatever social media. And then at a certain point, they they just kind of fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's a they 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 have a romance, and uh, looks like they're going to be getting married. So that's yeah, at romance. And then if I can sneak in one more romance, yeah. the um the other couple we interviewed took uh hunt for food together and, and then they you know they were a married couple but now they're expecting their first baby and right after our interview uh liz simpson the the gal we interviewed uh had had her baby a little bit early but baby's healthy and mom's healthy and uh so uh romance is definitely the fourth r <laughs> yeah and i i uh uh, Facebook Liz and congratulated her and said, boy, I'm sure glad you didn't uh, go into labor in the woods because I don't think any of us would have been qualified to deliver a baby. But Oh, well, we would have two, two English majors and, and a videographer. It would <laughs> yeah. not have been a good scene. Yeah, but that would have been a, a first for you or me or or, or, uh, or Paul, our videographer that day. So. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we got to let you go, John. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll do it again. As always, Dan. All right. John Motoviloff, outdoor writer, cookbook author, and R3 coordinator for Wisconsin for the National Wild Turkey Federation. And most of what we talked about here you can find on the DNR website. Just look for Hunter Education or R3 programs. You can also find uh, more about getting a license and going hunting at gowild.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Attention future hunters, hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Outdoors Radio is brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And Cedar Lake Sales is open for business. Check out their website or Facebook page for updates and details. Uh, And uh, they're getting ready for spring. Dan, I mean, we're not that far away, right? That's right. And they have a boat show. The Milwaukee Boat Show has been canceled for this year, but 
Cedar Lake Sales is holding their own in-house boat show. Uh, it starts this weekend, so January 22nd is the start, and then it runs through the 31st. They've got some great deals, and they say better deals at their show than at the boat show. So check out their Facebook page, uh, Cedar Lake Sales, and hours are Monday through Friday 9 to 7, Saturday 9 to 5, Sunday 11 to 3. And if you happen to miss Outdoor Wisconsin, any episodes, you can watch them from uh, the past several seasons at milwaukeepbs.org. And you'll also find the deer show on there, Deer Hunt Wisconsin 2020. If you missed anything on today's radio show, you can go back and listen to us on LakeLink, lake-link.com, and then go to their outdoor radio page, and you can listen to uh, this show, past shows up to about a year. Uh, You can download them and take them with you wherever you go. You can find Dan on social media by following him at Dan Small Outdoors, and you can find me, follow me, at Hardwater Jeff. I mentioned it earlier, but again, the Capital City Chapter of Muskies, Inc., Muskie University, is virtual this year. Go to their Facebook page or my Facebook page for details. There are three sessions, three seminars each day in March and April, and I've got a fly fishing seminar April 3rd at 1.10 p.m. And the DNR is holding another virtual public meeting on the Wisconsin Walleye Management Plan, this one for Calumet, Fond du Lac, and Outagamie counties, also Winnebago counties, but we're talking about the Winnebago system. That's next Tuesday, January 26th, starting at 6.30 p.m. Pre-registration is required. It's free, but you got to register. Max Walter is the guy to talk to max.w-o-l-t-e-r at wisconsin.gov or you can uh, check the walleye uh, keyword walleye management on the DNR website. And DNR is also seeking nominations for the Wisconsin Hunter Ethics Award. It recognizes a hunter whose action is symbolic of Wisconsin's hunting heritage. Uh, Jeff and I both know people who might qualify for this. Uh, You can nominate any licensed hunter uh, based on his or her actions during the 2020 calendar year. Past recipients have returned lost gear, helped others find lost game, or assisted other hunters with uh, a challenge of some kind. The deadline for nominations is February 19th, and you can find details on the DNR website, keywords, Hunter Ethics. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com, and you can even pick up his CD, Anglin' Wayne and the Trollers, which features our two theme songs. I'm Dan Small with Jeff Kelmel. Next week, I hope to have news on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Sports Show, so you want to tune in for that. Well, Jeff, uh, don't catch too many fish this week. Oh, I will try to limit myself, Dan. Yeah, I know you always do. At least you limit what you bring home. And folks, get outside this weekend. Join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by Lake Link, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. When my wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel, when my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure When the worms go dry In the coffee can, honey I'll be 